Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. I think I've mentioned this before, but once a fraud analyst, always a fraud analyst. And you know, you can kind of find trends anywhere, right? And for me, when having conversations with fraud fighters, I often find trends in conversations that I have with multiple people. Sometimes it's, you know, because it's the same time of year, right? It's around the holidays or, you know, people are getting ready for the holidays and they're talking about staffing and they're talking about spikes and peaks and, you know, all those things. But other times in this case, over the last several months, I would say, one of the biggest topics that comes up in conversations, whether it's organically or someone reaches out and says, hey, I need to talk or... I'm having conversations with my merchant clients or on a merchant collaboration call I host. It seems like everyone is talking about vendor relationships. I wish they were talking all about fraud, right? Because that would mean that their vendor relationships are going well and that they're not frustrated in some way. But that's not where we're at. And it's either in the context of vendor selection where, you know, we've talked to, you know, every company within or almost every company within the category that we're looking in. And they all sound the same. They all say they do the same thing. They all basically say that they do it the same way. So really the only differences that we can find are by price or which salesperson we like better. And that can cause problems. But usually it's funny to me because I'm like, wow, from a perspective of people who use all of those products, I can tell you which one is clearly better just based off of customer feedback. Because at the other end, I'm often talking with you know merchants or you know fintechs or banks who have been working with, you know, specific solution providers for a long time in a partnership as their vendor. And they, a lot of times, especially lately, it feels like, and I think I have kind of identified some reasons for that, but that will be for another time, I think. Uh, But oftentimes the conversation is they don't do at all what they said they were going to do, or the product was really good for a while and they were innovating and they were keeping up. And now it's just like they put it on autopilot. And when we have issues, no one there knows how to answer them or they don't seem to care or they tell us it's an us problem, not a them problem. They're not willing to work with us to fix it or try to understand it. And we just feel like we're on an island. And they often tell us that we're the only ones that have that problem. I don't know how many times in the last several years, probably the last decade that I've been you know, kind of in this de facto support role for uh, e-commerce merchants and fintechs and marketplaces that I'm the one that tells them, you're definitely not the only person that has that specific problem with your vendor. Like that's, I don't even know how they can keep a straight face because I hear it from so many people. And from a trend analysis perspective, I may not be looking at manual review or data on a spreadsheet, but I can definitely tell a lot of trend analysis around specific solution providers. That's one reason why I'm so picky about the providers that you know sponsor the podcast. To be honest, there's been a few that we've had to say, no, thank you. Because based on the feedback from their current customers that I hear often on a regular basis, 
I couldn't in good conscience suggest that people check them out. And I hope that they take that as, wow, we need to figure out what's going on. We need to get better. We need to improve our product. We need to improve our client services. We need to be better. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know that there's a lot of business decisions made on what's best for their business that can sometimes mean that it impacts their customers' business and their customers in general. And I'm sure they think that that's the right decision to make. I, from my perspective, I don't, but that's, you know, I don't have stock in those companies. I don't have, you know, really stock in any vendor company. So I'm just an unbiased bystander who's just kind of watching this, right? And hearing things from users, hearing things from people who are prospecting and noticing things. Not only is this a big topic that gets talked about quite often, you know, among friends or among buyers or fraud fighters or whatever you want to call us, non-vendors, but a friend and fellow fraud fighter and former guest on uh, this podcast, Andrew Austin of CarMax, recently uh, posted on LinkedIn about this. And I wanted to share it with you guys because I think it's a good perspective. And he provides some tips and some action items, which I think are important, right? Because we can complain about the problem. We can say it's really frustrating and it is, but what can we do about it, right? What can we do about it to at least make the right decision for your business? And I'm talking to the buyers here, right? The non-vendors. Vendors, I hope you listen to this too. I've also been asked by, I can't even count how many merchants recently, to do an additional episode or two similar to the merchants were are from Mars, vendors are from Venus episodes from a few years ago that were so popular, but really on how to keep your customers. Because, you know, vendor businesses are very similar to merchant businesses, right? It's way more expensive to attract new customers and to acquire new customers than it is to keep your existing ones. And I don't know how many times I've had to explain that to vendors because I feel like that should be a common thing. And I know that you're all counting on this revenue. And there are some of you that are continually getting notices from companies whose revenue you have counted on for your projections for the next several years that have gone to competitors. And oftentimes they're going to the same competitors and it's because they're talking to each other. It's, I could literally do a heat map, but that's a whole other story. But similar to this episode, Andrew's post that I'm about to read kind of starts talking to the vendors, but ends up giving some practical tips to uh, merchants, those of you who are selecting new vendors. I think there is something to be said about holding your current solution providers accountable, though I know a lot of you have tried, but sometimes the best thing to do is to start looking for another one and that puts you in this bucket too. So this was Andrew's post from about a week or two ago. And it actually was accompanied by a great meme. Andrew uh, has a special talent that I commissioned recently to help me with a presentation for a company that asked me to include a few fraud memes in it. And I quickly learned that I'm really old. Maybe not in some ways, but when it comes to memes, oh my goodness. I was joking with my husband. I was like, I think the only one I really remember is Eichen has cheeseburger. He was like, that was from a very long time ago, but I'm not really on, or not on Instagram. So I don't even really understand the, you know, original context of them. And anyway, this is a skill I don't have, but I remembered from a few funny text messages back and forth uh, a few months ago that Andrew has a pretty good skill at that. So I commissioned him to help me. And then I said, you really need to be sharing these on LinkedIn. Because even though I don't really appreciate memes, I know a lot of other people do too. And so he has been. So if you don't follow Andrew on LinkedIn, I highly recommend it. 
So I don't know if I'm even going to explain the meme, but you can go check it out yourself. But here is what he said along with it. And this is, uh, I really, sometimes for me, it's better for you guys to hear it from merchants or from your peers than it is even from me. Even if I consider myself one of you and, you know, I feel like I'm essentially saying what you say all the time. But so here's how Andrew started out his post. If I believed everything I see in my inbox, I could stop all fraud, eliminate chargebacks, and guarantee revenue growth. Look, sales, I know you're just trying to get your foot in the door like everyone else, but knock it off. And um, like I said, there's more to say about that, but that's that's really it for you know talking to vendors today. And then he says, okay, this was actually supposed to be for the merchants out there. And I would say banks, fintechs, financial institutions, etc. When you're evaluating new vendors, products, or solutions, do your homework. Try not to get too impressed by the bold claims or flashy marketing material. Dig in and do some comparison. Here are a few things that help me when I'm looking. Number one, know your purpose. Are you just looking to stay up with, with the market or do you have a specific use case that you're trying to solve? Number two, communicate your purpose. Some salespeople will try to sell their solution with no regard to what problem you need to solve. Be clear from the start so the vendor can tailor their message. This doesn't always work, but can save you headaches down the road. One thing that I would add to that is if it doesn't work, if that salesperson didn't hear you know, what this specific problem is you're trying to solve or the question you asked them as far as, you know, I know one common one is, hey, I really want to know how you're different from our current vendor. But then if the sales rep just goes through the standard pitch without any recognition of what's being asked, that can also be a sign. Are they the type of solution provider you want? Maybe they don't know how to answer your question, but they didn't hear you either way, right? And if you communicated your purpose before the meeting, they should have done their homework if they didn't know. And sales reps, that's a good note to you too. Don't go on autopilot and don't assume that you're going to have three or four more calls. I've noticed that with a couple of companies lately where they approach the first call as a first date, assuming that they're already going to get a second or a third one. Well, more than ever, fraud leaders are being asked to do more with less. They don't have time to have a second or a third meeting if they don't think that you have value. So you need to put your best foot forward in the first meeting and make sure that you answer their questions and that you take time to tailor it around the purpose. Maybe they don't tell you what their problem is, right? Some can't tell you because of the size of their company, but do your best. But when they do tell you, that's a really good opportunity. And if you don't answer their question, I can almost guarantee you, you probably won't hear back from them. And then his third uh, suggestion was don't stop at three. Unless there are only three vendors that play in that space, look at as many as you can. Once you've exhausted the magic quadrant, rolling eyes emoji, keep going. You may find something incredible from somewhere completely unexpected. Go to conferences and or tap into your network. So I guess I'll try to describe the meme. <laughs> Again, remember, I'm old. So it looks like it might be in like the Victorian times. And it is a, a woman speaking into a confessional to a priest. And it says, forgive me, father. My vendor told me they could stop all my fraud and I believe them. And I would argue that some vendors will tell you that they're stopping all your fraud when really they're also stopping a very high percentage of your sales. I won't go into that now, but oh my goodness. I just sometimes working with merchant clients, I get even more frustrated because it's one thing for people to say, oh, this company's reporting is bad or oh my gosh, you know, I can't get any help from these, you know, the reps that they have or they don't know what they're talking about. It's one thing to hear that. It's another to actually experience it. So I have a newfound appreciation in some cases, but that's, you know, another story. So this is how I commented back. No surprise, I agree with your recommendations for merchants to do their research. 
One tip I would add, and I know you'll agree, reach out to other merchants that utilize that vendor currently. Sadly, I know of several situations where a salesperson for vendor X will claim their solution will detect and eradicate specific fraud vectors or use cases. And of course, you know, not impact sales at all or increase them or whatever the claim is. But every customer of vendor X that I know has complained to their peers or you know, confessed in quotation marks to me, because that's a, that's a longer story, that the vendor has caused a high amount of losses because their solution doesn't do what they claim. So it happens more often than I can even mention, where there are companies that are marketing about new types of fraud that they know, you know, companies that they want to sell to are having a problem with, but they don't have a solution for it. And refund fraud is such a good example of that. Um, there's so many companies that will write blog articles or that will talk about it at conferences, but their solution doesn't help with it at all. And their customers are saying, you know, I'm really irritated. They're spending so much time talking about this in marketing when I've been asking them to help me with a solution for this for like the last six months. Or it'll be something more basic than that, where a solution will say, we can keep your approvals over this and your chargebacks under this. But then when you talk to their, you know, current clients, half of them are in the, you know, VDMP, the Visa Dispute Monitoring Program, and have a decline rate that is far lower than the average in the Fraudology Benchmarking Survey. So you can find out a lot by talking to clients. That's honestly a big reason how we even, you know, like I said before, like how we even select who is a sponsor company for the podcast and who isn't. Who is holding up their bargain? I always have to talk to existing customers. Always, always. Not always the ones that they tell me to. But I know that I'm lucky. I know a lot of people and they tell me who they use and then I'm pretty good at remembering. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology. And one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. You'll hear my full conversation with him in the next few weeks, and you'll get to hear about some of his experiences and his passion for fraud fighting for yourself. But the TLDR, or the high-level summary, is that he started out as a fraud fighter with an engineering and data science background, and he was tasked with quickly identifying a fraud solution for one of the fastest-growing companies in the relatively new and high-risk crypto industry almost a decade ago. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, and payment risk all in one product that lets the client company decide how to best use the massive amounts of data that's available to them. And that's pretty much exactly what Soups did a few years ago. And the result of those efforts has become one of the fastest growing solution providers in fraud that I've seen in many years. And that company is Sardine. To learn more about Sardine or to book a personalized demo, you can go to www.sardine.ai or just click the link at the top of the description for today's episode.
So if you don't know someone who uses a particular solution, here are some things you can do. Ask the sales rep for an introduction to a merchant reference or, a, you know, another bank or fintech, a company, you know, preferably that's similar to yours, but not exactly. It doesn't have to be a direct competitor or anything else. If they won't give you an introduction, and I have heard of a few that won't, there's your sign. They're either brand new and don't have any other merchants or, you know, other users, or they aren't sure what they're going to say. And yeah, they might say, well, we don't, you know, want to exhaust our users and, you know, have them constantly vouching for us. Okay, well, you should have a list that you're cycling through. If uh, that's not something that you want to do, or if they aren't helpful there, or you want to still, you know, talk to a few others, look up the logos of the customers on the vendor's website, and then look for someone in fraud for those companies on LinkedIn. You might actually find out some really interesting things. You might find out that that company hasn't been using that vendor for two years or only used them for a POC and then went against them. But that solution provider still has them on their website. I know of some cases where some pretty big brands have sent cease and desist letters to previous vendors saying, we do not want you to have our logo on your website. We had a terrible you know, experience with you, or we didn't end up choosing you through the our POC or anything like that. And in some cases, they still don't take them down. So that's one thing. But you also might find out that, oh, they do use them and they really like them. And they might say, hey, yeah, and they're really good for this and that. Or I might give you tips for the contract or might suggest, you know, that you add another product. How those customers, you know, what those customers say to you is entirely up to the vendors. How those vendors treat their customers on a regular basis, where they take them and their revenue for granted or they know that it's a privilege to work with these companies and to help them protect their own companies every day that they get to work with them. That's going to make a difference in what those you know current customers say. Those are just two solutions. You know, obviously being part of merchant groups, merchant communities, going to conferences, etc. As, as Andrew said, is also you know really good way to just have your finger on the pulse because uh, oftentimes it's not just it's never just one company that's having the same experience or the it's never just one company that's having one experience with a vendor. It's always multiple. They're either all really happy or they're not. I mean, there might be one, uh, honestly, the one-offs are pretty few and far between if I'm being honest. So finally, you know, what I want to say on this is that doing this could save you and your company a lot of time, money, and frustration before signing a contract. And honestly, I recommend doing this sooner than later in the sales process because you don't want to get to the end and, you know, have had several meetings and talked about implementation and everything else only to find out that several companies are getting ready to leave them or they're trying to explain to their leadership why they need to leave them. And it can just save you so much time. So I really appreciate Andrew for posting this because it is something that, uh, and he knows this too, it's been a pretty commonly talked about topic among buyers lately. And I think just at the end of the day, if you're a solution provider, you and your company should be just as focused, if not more, on keeping your customers happy. Not only to retain that those clients and those relationships and their revenue, but also to get those recommendations to have them tell their peers. In the Fraudology Benchmarking Survey, you know, asking peers for references of solutions was one of the highest reasons why people selected uh, the solution providers that they did. That had one of the biggest impacts on their decision. So when you focus on keeping your customers happy, you're also going to grow your business too. And the opposite's true too, obviously. And for buyers, for fraud fighters, those of you that aren't vendors, 
whichever you know sector you're in, pay attention to how vendors treat their customers. Ask their customers how they're being treated and how, hey, if something comes up, how quickly do they get back to you? Do they know what they're talking about? Do they train their reps? I got into a crazy argument with a risk rep several months ago about something that's just pretty basic and something that I thought everyone in fraud knew. And he had me, they had me questioning whether I was like, wow, it's, it was almost questioning like, am I right? But it was just one of those universal truths that's been right for years and years. But you know, how they train their people matters. It shows how you know important their current customers are, how important it is to keep them. And having humility, right? It's okay for a solution provider or someone, you know, a representative to say, hey, I'm not sure of that, but I'll ask someone in my company that does. I'd much rather have that than have a company be given the wrong advice and cost them millions of dollars because of it. And I wish that that didn't happen regularly, but it can. So really it's just, you know, doing your research, but doing your research from the user's perspective, because chances are you're, you know, if you decide to work with that specific company, you're going to have the same experience that the other merchants that you're talking to have too. At the end of the day, I want everyone to do better and be better, especially on the solution provider side, because guys, we can't fight fraud without you. You're needed. As much as I give you guys crap, we know that merchants and banks and financial institutions do not have the engineering resources or the ability to create the solutions that are needed to prevent fraud. We're relying on you guys to do that. But oftentimes when you get Take your eyes off the ball when you start looking at your own bottom line first beyond your customers. That's usually when it slips. That's usually when your customers start noticing, wow, they don't really care about me. They care about my money and the revenue that we're giving them, but they don't care about me on a daily basis. And that is usually when they start, you know, after a while being like, okay, they're not going to change. Well, then we need to change. We need to change solution providers. So my point is if you keep your focus on your customers and your customers business and solving their problems and innovating when they have new problems, because they will, because this is not normal SaaS. This is not normal software as a service. We have invisible enemies. They're continually innovating. When you focus on that first, I've seen it. There are some great companies that do it. You'll do really well. You'll profit well. So those are my parting words for now. And if you're on the buyer side, you're a fraud fighter side, and you've been frustrated lately with either your current providers or just trying to sort through all of the noise, for whatever it's worth, know that you are not alone. This is a topic that comes up so often, and it's been coming up especially over the last year. And there's definitely, you know, like I said, some some things I've I think are reasons for it, but I don't think that matters as much right? I think what matters is conveying your expectations and hopefully being able to have the ability within your organization to make changes based on the level of service that your company needs. On that note, I think that you guys will all really enjoy my conversation and interview on this coming Tuesday. It'll be on this note, but in a way that I haven't talked about before and haven't had a guest on before. And I'm really excited about this. We had our pre-interview conversation yesterday and my wheels have been spinning since. I just, they really made me think about things differently and have a lot of really interesting, unique insights on the technology piece, as well as how some technology pieces are being exploited and just, you know, things to be aware of. So I am excited about that and I will look forward to speaking with you more next week. Thank you again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology. 
and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.